Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you desire to speak to me every day, guiding me in spirit and in truth to obey your word and enjoy an abundant life. I thank you that you have called me your friend, and that I may come boldly to the throne of grace to find help whenever I have a need in my life. Lord, your word says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I draw near to you today. I seek your face, your truth, and your word for my life. I want to know you more, hear you more, and obey you more. Your word says your sheep know your voice, and we will not follow the voice of a stranger. Help me to know your voice and not be deceived by any other voice. Help me to guard my heart from the influences of this world and the people around me. Help me not to be deceived by the devil and his lies, but to view all thoughts and decisions through the lens of your righteousness. As I seek to hear you today for instruction, correction, and guidance, help me to confirm your voice through your word. You said if I ask for wisdom, you will give it to me liberally. So I am asking for wisdom in the name of Jesus to hear you clearly and consistently today and every day. Help me, Lord, to feel confident in knowing that I hear your voice. I praise you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. I'm Chris Halgrimson. And before we get into today's message, I just want to remind you, you can find all the notes from our messages on the website, truepatriotministries.org. Just go to the blog page. That's where we post those. And we also do, every Wednesday, a five-minute ministry short, and that's five minutes or less with your favorite scriptures. And it's just something to have fun and kind of a little pick-me-up during the middle of the week. And we hope that you value those and that you're enjoying those. Uh, We also have all our podcasts posted on the website. And then we have some other pages that you might feel like looking at. Uh, Resources you can find on the Neighborhoods page. Matter of fact, we were just at one of our favorite resources today because we have one nearby. And that is uh, Mardell's. And it's a Christian store. Usually you find them right next door to a Hobby Lobby if you have one around. But we enjoy going in. They have great deals on books, all kinds of sources for uh, churches and home-based ministries, home-based schooling, uh, anything you could think for. It, it's They pretty much have it. And so we really do enjoy. It's a lot of fun to go in and shop around. And we typically end up in there for a couple of hours easy. But we did that today. Anyway, I say that to say that on our Neighborhoods page, that's where you'll find some of our resources that we enjoy using, whether it's other ministries that we listen to or we share interests with or it's uh, bookstores, whatnot. They'll, you'll find them on that page. There's also a reach out page, which is, is really important because this is where you're going to find information uh, for those in your life or you yourself if you're feeling depressed or you're having some anxiety and issues, uh, there are contacts there that you can reach out to who will help you with those things. 
uh, veterans. There's also some veteran information there. Um, as a veteran myself, I appreciate veterans very much and the camaraderie that we still have, even though we've left the military and you can, you can go in there and, uh, find some information available to you. Now saying that if you are a veteran, I do recommend saying, uh, check out rally point. That is a good veteran resource. If nothing else, just a way to keep in communication with fellow veterans and, uh, share a daily laugh or a daily note, whatever it is. So in today's podcast, we're going to cover number four in the series of faith, hope, love. And we're going to explore and understand love. And I don't have time to go into every nuance in the Word of God about love, but we're going to hit some big ones that you're going to see the most often. And we'll just cover this. Uh, I try to keep these at 45 minutes or less if possible. Sometimes they hit an hour, but you know we'll try to cover it that quickly. So let's dig in here. It says, faith, hope, and love are bound to each other. Where one is, so are the others. So wherever hope is, faith and love are, and vice versa. Now, they're not all the same importance. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The reason for that is because love, God is love. Uh, love is eternal. Faith and hope, they they will eventually pass away when Jesus returns, okay, and and collects us up. There is there's no more need for faith or hope, but love will endure. Love is eternal. Now, in First Thessalonians chapter one verse three, it reads, "Remembering without ceasing your work of faith." labor of love, and patient hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Just to prove faith, love, and hope right there. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 says, But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Glory to God. And we're not talking about phileo love. We're talking about agape love. We're talking about the God kind of love. Okay, there's a difference. We're not talking about man's passions, man's lusts, um, and, and the perversions that accompany those things. We are talking about God's love. Now, we know that in Hebrews chapter 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So we know that we have a blood covenant, and this is important. I want you to get this and to understand this. Uh, and the more you read in and study on the covenant, the blood covenant, you will find uh, a deeper grasp of exactly what this means. So if we start adding a little bit of legal into it, like you and I would say if we had a contract and we needed to go to an attorney and have that contract uh, verified that, it one, it's legal, and two, that each party can meet the requirements, and, and we clearly know what the requirements are. And then after that, you know, you have the signature and the notary and all of that, and you have a legal binding contract between two men. So what we have is a blood covenant. 
And it's between God and ourselves as believers. So when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, um, we enter into this contract. Now, the only thing that we seal it with is we give our heart over to God. Okay. We repent. We turn away from what we're doing that uh, is causing us so much trouble in the first place. And we turn to God and we ask him into our hearts. Well, that's our portion of it to begin with. That's how we get into this contract. And Jesus came along. God gave us Jesus to seal this contract, to make it legally binding. And that's why we have authority in Jesus's name. So we have a legally binding blood covenant sealed in blood between God and ourselves as believers. It's signed, it's notarized by Jesus, legally binding contract, and it gives believers the well-founded expectation of good founded on God's gracious promises in His Word. His Word is the substance of this contract. And so anytime we have a doubt, then we know that's where the evidence is going to be found, is in his contract, in his word to us. And so we can seek it out. It is conditional, just like any other contract that we enter into. Yet this contract, and get this, this contract is limited only by our hearts, our minds, and most importantly, our mouths. Now you might say, well, I don't understand that. That's okay. Let me give you uh, a verse here that might help out just a little bit. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 20. This is in the modern English version. And it reads, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immorality, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So, and that last part really doesn't have much to do with this. It pertains more to what Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees at that time. But what Jesus says here is that those things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And this is why it's so vital that we, we pay attention to our mouth. Um, I won't speak to any other nationalities, any other countries. I will speak to the United States of America, being an American and having lived here my whole life. We have a terrible habit in the United States of America of calling things what they're not. Uh, Calling them things that when you stop and you put the literal translation of a word to it, you would say, no, that's not what I want. That's that actually doesn't fit what I'm trying to say, but because and the devil's crafty with this kind of stuff. He he is. And that's why we have so much trouble with the media, uh, why we have so much trouble with music and and movies. OK, the devil is is that's his niche. That and money, it's his niche. And so you'll find that a lot of what he does revolves around those things. Uh, he can take the word of God. I mean, Jesus showed us when he was in the desert. Satan knows scripture. 
and he can emulate an angel of light. So we have to be cautious about it. We need to evaluate everything that comes to us and find at least two or three witnesses in the Word of God and make sure that those things are not being taken out of context and therefore being twisted and manipulated, which is what the devil does. So we got to make sure that we're watching, and he's done this with us for a long time. Here in the United States, we've been very lax in this. Uh, we might say something like, I think the latest terminology is, ooh, that's sick. Referring back to a car or a game or a picture, whatever, but calling it sick. Um, hey, here's one for you. How about let's call the Republic the Constitutional Republic of the United States of America. We're going to start calling it a democracy, which it is not. Okay, but if we call it a democracy long enough, right, what happens, it's like calling something sick or cool or, ooh, that's crazy, um, love you to death. There's so many more. This cold is, or this kid, how about that? I, I do hear parents say this, oh my gosh, this kid is going to be the death of me yet. And when you start thinking about the literal translation of that, these are what we need to pay attention to. This is what Jesus is saying here, is that what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And if we've allowed the world to get into our heart and influence us in our heart, then what's going to come out of our heart is worldly sayings, worldly actions, uh, worldly behaviors that don't necessarily line up with the Word of God. Some of them, they, you know, let's say some are neutral. But there are some things that we say and we do that definitely do not line up with the Word of God. But we don't realize it because it's, it's uh, so commonplace in this world. So commonplace that, that uh, we never give it thought. We just go, oh, yeah, it's just a phrase. But you need to back up and go, no, it's not just a phrase. Every word that comes out of your mouth comes from the heart. Every word that comes out of your mouth is a confession to some part of your life, past, present, future. Maybe it's your life, your kid's life, your parent's life, whatever it is. It's, it's a confession. And so we, we do need to be careful about that. And so, uh, you know, I have heard people say, hey, I love you to life. Perfectly fine. That's cool. That's a good, see, even that's cool doesn't, I mean, it really doesn't do anything, but it's, it's slang. And, and it's uh, unfortunate that we have picked up on that so much. So this, and that's why I put this in there. You want to be cautious, right? It says, like going back to the contract, it is conditional just like any other contract that we enter into. And it's limited only by, not by God, not by Jesus, not by the Holy Spirit, not by the Word of God. It's not limited by any of those things. Okay? Those things back up, guarantee, empower, give authority, make happen any and all promises in the Word of God. Okay? We or what limit what God can do in our life in this contract. And we limit it by our mouths, and our mouth represents what's in our heart. That's why the Word of God says that you, you need to be constantly refreshing and renewing your mind. 
because your mind is the point where the devil gains access. And, and I mean, look at John 3.16. God so loved the world, right? Everybody knows this verse. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And what did Jesus do for us? He sealed the deal. He sealed the contract with his blood. He took everything on him that we should have had. So all our weaknesses, he took on him. That's sin, death, uh, corruption of the body, sickness, disease. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of things. And, and if you want to see a visual representation of this, go watch The Passion of the Christ. I've only seen the movie once. It's all I needed. It is a very impactful movie. But it gives you a fantastic, not a fantastic, it gives you a great representation or a good representation of what that might have looked like. And so you get a visual of that. Well, he took all of our weakness, every bit of corruption, every bit of sickness, disease, perversion, uh, all of that, all our sin, all our death. He took on himself. That was our weakness. And he gave us the spirit of life. He gave us healing and he gave us prosperity. And so we need to remember that he gave us his strengths and took our weaknesses. And so we need to be careful what we're doing. That should be what's coming out of our mouths because that should be what's in our hearts. And that's why we do these podcasts is to help us to remember whose we are and who we are. Okay. So let's, let's move on from there. Now, love comes from God. If we look at Romans 5, 5, I want to keep this real simple because you might be going, okay, well, how do I get God's, God's love? How do I get that kind of love in my life? Well, it's pretty simple. When you commit yourself to the Lord, when you say, Jesus, be my Lord, and he comes into your heart, what he does is he sends the Holy Spirit to you. Now, let's look at this, Romans 5, 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He's given to us by Jesus when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And right here in Romans 5, 5, it says, because the love of God, or you could say, because the God kind of love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us, he brings with him the God kind of love. Now, our hope is in God. So when it says, now hope does not disappoint, that's because our hope is in God. And hope, just so you're clear, and I I put this out on the last podcast, but I want to reiterate it here. Hope is that well-founded expectation of good, and it is founded on God's gracious promises, or it is founded on God's words, okay? And we already know that, that the Word of God says that God's promises are yes and amen. He's, he's not a trickster. He's not a conniver. He's not a deceiver, okay? He's none of that. He's the truth, the light, and the way. And he's telling you right here, look, everything that you want, everything and everything that he desires for us to have is in his word. It's in his promises to us. 
and they're ours. Now, he put them in black and white. Now, they, of course, literally, they started out words spoken to one another, and it was passed down, passed down, put in writing, put in scriptures. And, and there were hundreds of years there where uh, man did not want you to know what the Word of God said, so they made, made provisions on it. Restrictions, I should say, not provisions. And and we see a lot of this going on today where they don't want you to know about what's in the Constitution. They don't want you to know about what happened in our history. They don't want you to know about the, the, the great things of the United States of America. And and don't get me wrong, the, the United States of America is not great because of the land that it is founded on. It is great because of the men and the women who found it. And the exceptionalism, glory to God, the exceptionalism of men and women who have devoted themselves to Christ and to governing this great nation, developing a constitution that protects our inalienable rights. And see, we see the devil at work in this because he has come in in the last 60, 70, 80 years and our history has slowly changed. Our education system has slowly changed. And, and what has happened? We've started removing God from our education system. Okay. And, and if you're a young person now, you may be going, what? God was in education? Oh, yeah. God was education. Uh, I strongly advise you go check out uh, the Patriot Academy and go check out Wall Builders, two fantastic resources. Uh, Wall Builders even did, and that's Tim Barton and Charlie Kirk, I believe, was the other person. They did the one-room schoolhouse, and and I recommend go back and find those and watch them. There is so much education there that will just start making you go, oh, wait a minute. Why aren't they teaching this in school? Well, the purpose behind not teaching things or twisting and perverting. This is the devil. Don't even think about it as the United States government getting in and interfering with education. They're just the access point. It is the devil. So we're talking spiritual warfare. He has gotten in there and, and he starts by twisting and perverting what's already there. And then through time, he said, okay, let's remove that because that doesn't represent who we are today. Uh, let's, let's remove that. And, and the way to remove it is, well, we're going to twist it and pervert it so that it actually says something other than what it truly means. And, and we're going to tell the public, Hey, you know, this is sick. This is twisted. It's perverted. It needs to come out when actually it is the truth and the lie is what is trying to remove it. And, and we're not new to this. This has happened in every nation in the world. It's happened since, uh, the world fell. Okay. Deception, lies, it's not new. But the education system is a, a great way to, to show this because that's what's going on. It, and it, it's become so blatant and so obvious that they want to take the sick, the twisted, the perverted things of the world and they want to preach them and teach them in our schools as the gospel. And it's a lie from the pit of hell, and it's spiritual combat. This is spiritual combat, and we need to fight uh, spirit with spirit. Now, on the physical end of things, yes, you need to be responsible. Uh, I didn't mean to get into a civics class, but this kind of rolled into it, and it's because we love the nation. 
but we love our God because God gave us this nation and he gave us these constitutions and these declaration of independence and the, the amendments to them and everything. I mean, come on. They're worth fighting for, people. And, and the fight starts in the spirit. And so we need to protect these things and we need to be involved. It is a lie from the pit of hell that you're not supposed to be involved in politics. If we're not supposed to be involved in politics, Jesus would have said it. And there would be no need for anything silly like the Johnson Amendment. The Johnson Amendment is put there to control the church. And that's all it's there for. It's not there to protect us. It's there to control us. It's there as a tool to threaten the church if we should, quote unquote, get out of hand. Well, I'm sorry, but the church needs to be attentive to God, not to man. We need strong Christian men and women to stand up and say, I am willing to run for any position that comes open. If it's the dog catcher, if it's city council, county council, uh, uh, board of education, whatever it is, run for it. We need so many people, so many strong Christians to stand up. And in every nation in the world, this is how we change our nations. This is how we bring our nations back into alignment with God, is we get strong Christian men and women who are not afraid to do the will of God, which we already know is going to come with persecution, to stand up and run for public office. Doesn't matter what nation you're in in the world. We need to do that. Now, we also need to be spreading the light of God and educating people um, on who Jesus is and who they are in Jesus and, and so on. And, and so basically, to get back to what I'm saying, our hope is in God. It's not in the government. If you ever hear somebody say, you know, I wish they'd get things straight in the government because I need their help. Or, um, you know, I heard somebody on the news the other, say, the other day say that in a quote-unquote latest political poll, Americans are tired and they're worn out and they're looking to government for help. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. America, the United States of America right now, and today is the 6th of February, the year 2021. It'll be the 7th of February, Sunday, when this airs. But I'm telling you right now, the United States of America does not need more government. They need the government to get out of the way and let God-driven men and women do what we are entitled to do. We need to open up the economy. We need to get our businesses back open. We need to take the masks off and put them aside because if they are not a K95 it's, and this is what I'm getting from the medical staff. If they're not a K95 filter, they don't do anything for a virus because the virus molecules are so small, they go through the weaves of the fabric that we're wearing anyway. So the masks are senseless unless you're wearing a hospital-grade K95 or KN95, whatever it is, filter that is specifically designed to block out bacteria and viruses. And so we need to we need to stand up. We need to get refired. And we're going to be talking about a series on revival here soon. Okay? Because that's what the United States of America, that's what this world needs is revival. 
And it starts with the love of God in our hearts. And that's where Jesus comes in. So let me get back to my subject matter here. We're going to talk about love, right? So love is God. Agape love is God. So we can say Jesus is love. God is love. We can say the Holy Spirit is love because they're all three part of the Godhead. God is love. Now, the attributes of love. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we go verses 4 through 7, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love flaunts not itself, and it is not puffed up. Does not behave itself improperly. Seeks not its own. Is not easily provoked, and it thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity or sin, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So if we know that love is God, and God is love, then we can replace the word love anytime we see agape love in the word of God, we can replace it with God. Or you can replace it with Jesus. Or Roberts did this, I was reading in his commentary and I really like this, what he did. So replace love. I'm going to go back through here and replace love with the, with the name Jesus. And let's read this one more time. It says, Jesus suffers long and is kind. Jesus envies not. Jesus flaunts not himself, and he is not puffed up. He does not behave himself improperly. He seeks not his own. Jesus is not easily provoked. Jesus thinks no evil. Jesus does not rejoice in iniquity, but he rejoices in truth and in light. Glory to God. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. And Jesus endures all things. Put that in context. I like the way Oral Roberts touched this in his commentary because you put this in context. This is what Jesus went through when he walked for us on this earth. And when he stood for the crucifixion. And you have to understand, I know there are a lot of people out there who are new to Christianity, but I want to reinforce something. And that is the fact that Jesus, they did not take from Jesus anything. They didn't have the authority to. And I'm talking about whether it's the Romans, the Pharisees, call them the bad guys, whatever you want to call them. They didn't have the authority to take from Jesus anything. The only reason they were able to was because Jesus allowed them to. It was what he had to do to pay the price for us. And so even the crucifixion, it was something that Jesus willingly allowed. Okay? And they did not murder him on the cross. You need to go back and read that. He says he gave up his spirit. Typically what happened on the crucifixions was they would suffer and suffocate and all of that, and they would actually go through and break their legs in order for them to die quicker. Well, they didn't have to break a leg on Jesus because he gave up his spirit. He left his body. He said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit. 
So I want you to get that down in there too, just to understand that. They didn't have the authority. Even Paul in his epistles told them they don't have the authority to decide when he's going to die. And they might have thought that an odd statement, but if you look at it, he didn't go until he was ready to go. And I think it's so neat. And we need to know, we need to read and understand that a lot more. And it has to do with the love of God. Okay. John 3, 16. He gave us Jesus. Right. And through Jesus, Jesus sealed the covenant. And we got to get this down inside of us. That covenant, that is a covenant built on the love of God. And, and we need to, to grasp that and understand that. Okay, so let's move on. It says uh, in my notes here, I've got, because it is God's love in us, it cannot fail. I want you to understand that. So let's look at 1 Corinthians, and you can refer to this. I'm not going to read the whole verse. I'm just going to read the part that applies to this. And that is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Love never fails. We already know you can substitute things out. So what this is saying is God cannot fail. Jesus cannot fail. The Holy Spirit cannot fail. This is the Godhead. The Godhead does not fail, period. They don't make mistakes. They don't miss things. They don't get surprised. No. You know, they're not... I, Keith Moore hits it in one of his sermons, and I, I don't honestly remember which one it is, but I liked it, and it was funny. Um, you know, he talks about uh, boys and girls, and and it's a couple of angels on the assembly line, and they're like, oh, body comes down the line, and all of a sudden, it's a male body, and they've got a female soul to put in it, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, crap, we did something wrong. Oh, well, nobody will know the difference. We'll just shove this one into the male body and send it on out. And, you know, that's, and he's, he's making, he's being very sarcastic and I'm not really doing it on her, but point being, God doesn't make mistakes. Okay. He's not putting the spirit of a woman in, in the body of a man. And he's not putting the spirit of a man in the body of a woman. He doesn't make those mistakes. That doesn't happen. We love to blame God for things and take credit for the successes ourselves. Now, isn't that wonderful? Oh, yeah, dude, that was all me. Did you hear that? Oh, what a great podcast. That was all me. Yeah, yeah. God, no, he didn't help. He must have been off doing something somewhere, you know, and, and no, that was all me. Malarkey. Malarkey. We need to quit being that way because, oh, well, when it comes to blaming something, we're more than happy to blame God for it. But if we're going to give credit, we like to give credit to ourselves. Oh, no, that was me. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you, you couldn't do squat without God in your life. You need him. Even Jesus said he could do nothing of himself. Okay. As he walked the earth as a man, we have to have God in our lives because God is the power, the authority, the love. He is the light. He's the way. Don't miss this. 
don't get caught up in self and selfishness and 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 a lack of submission, uh, arrogance, pride, vanity. It will be the death of you. It will. Pride is, and I struggled with pride for many, many years, way too many years. Okay. And I look back now and I think, oh yeah, I know when I did that and I can see it now. Oh yeah, that was pride. That was an inability to submit to somebody who should have been allowed to be in a position of authority in my life. But because I was so arrogant and so cocky and so prideful, instead of being in submission, I was in rebellion. Stupid people. And I'm talking about me. I know you can point out places in your life where you've done some things. We all have. It's a fallen world. But it doesn't mean that those things define us. The love of God in our hearts, that's what defines us. If you take the Word of God and you open the front flap, And you go to the back flap. Just hold it up in the air upside down. If you got note cards in there, they're going to fall out. Everything between those two flaps is you. God wrote about you. He put you in the Word of God. You're in there. The adventure is going in there and finding you in the Word of God. And once you get beyond yourself... And by that, I mean, once you allow the love of God in your heart to go to work and you realize you need to quit criticizing yourself, you need to quit condemning yourself, convicting yourself, you need to quit being uh, guilty, quit being anxious, put those things aside. And find yourself, the true you, in between the flaps of the Bible. Glory to God, you're there. I'm there. You're the righteousness of God by Jesus Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things are possible with God for those who love Him. You're in there. Like I said earlier, His promises are yes and amen. And you need to find these things. Religion has done a great job of burying the truth and the love and the compassion that's in the Word of God behind rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. I'm not saying there aren't do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. What I am saying, well, you know what? Let's move on because I'm going to cover it. There's some verses here that will cover what I'm getting to. I'm getting ahead of myself. Glory to God. So we know that God can't fail. Jesus cannot fail. The Holy Spirit in you cannot fail. All right? You need to get this in you and understand it. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So I use that verse. That's part of the proof that God is love. Now, who are we supposed to love? Here's a great question, right? We've all experienced that guy on the road who 
uh, either we're the victim of the guy on the road who is mad and he's screaming and honking and driving past us and flipping the bird to us, or we've been that person. Are we supposed to love that person? Well, let's find out. Let's find out if we're supposed to love that rude cashier or that rude customer. Or if we're supposed to love those people who are burning buildings and destroying businesses. Or better yet, are we supposed to love those people who are destroying our rights under our own law? Mm, Let's look and see. Let's go down to Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 22, and I'm going to cover verses 37 through 41st. Okay, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So we know the first commandment, love God. And it doesn't say love God last. It says love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Verse 39, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So what are we saying here? We're saying that if you love the Lord your God first and foremost, love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, so if you've got this love walk, that this was designed by God, Fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus fulfills the law. He doesn't replace it. He doesn't make the law void. But if you walk as Jesus walked, if you walk in love, then the law is fulfilled. You cannot possibly break the law when you're walking in love. That's what that says. Now let's go on from there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at 43 through 46. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See, this this seems natural, right? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That seems easy enough to do. But he goes on, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Uh Uh-oh, we got a problem now. This isn't going to be easy anymore. Love your enemies. Mm. I don't even like the sound of that. Okay, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Man, it gets deeper, doesn't it? Bless those that curse you. So that fellow over there that drove past made me mad and he was cursing me the whole time he went past. I'm supposed to bless him. (laughs) So in return, I don't give him the one finger salute. Instead, I start praying over him and blessing him. That's what God wants me to do. It says, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Hmm. You know what? This would cover a lot of people's jobs right here. Because <laughs> I know there are a lot of people in this world who go to work and and they've got that boss or they've got that, that uh board or whatever it is, partner, that 
that just makes it hard because they're always coming at them. They're always being uh, cruel or they're being mean or they're being snidey, whatever it is. And they just make your workplace a horrible place to be. Right. And he's saying here, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Hmm. And there's plenty of that. There's plenty of that going on in this world. There's plenty of that just going on in the United States of America. And he's telling us the answer right here. Verse 45. Why do we want to do this? So that we may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he, God, and I want you to see this and understand this. I didn't get it when I first read this. And I had to have help. The truth of the matter is, is that God, according to these verses, he makes the sun to rise and set on the evil and on the good. He makes the rain to fall on the evil and on the good. He doesn't distinguish between. He doesn't discriminate. All right. And Jesus goes on to say that, uh, you know, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? So what he's saying here is, hey, if you love the people that love you, that's too easy. That's, that's simple. I mean, come on, think about it. If you're married and you love your spouse, it's really easy to love your spouse because your spouse loves you back. But if you're married and you go to work, and you come out of this environment at home where you love your spouse and your spouse loves you and you go into work and, you, and you're dealing with that boss or that supervisor, that manager who just hates you for no good reason. And it happens. Okay. The world is out there. We live in it. We're not of it, but we live in it. Okay. And, and now you're coming out of this this happy place, right? Where love is meeting love. It's easy to love your wife when your wife loves you. And then you go to work and you meet up with somebody who, uh, they're not like your wife. They don't love you, so they're not easy to love. Matter of fact, maybe they're mean, they're cruel, they hate on you, they dig on you. Uh, they never say anything nice and everything you do is wrong and what you do right, they take credit for it's and and you just you just want to throttle them you want to strangle them you know and you can visualize doing things and it's like shut up head i'm spirit led get out of that don't get into it don't think about it don't dwell on it jesus says love them bless them now i will tell you um doesn't work with everybody but it is fun to try don't put yourself in harm's way. But when you got somebody hating on you, to walk up and just lay a hand on their shoulder and say, John, brother, I love you. I know you're not the happiest person in the world, but I love you. And I pray that Lord God blesses you. And just turn around and walk away. They're either going to feel really awkward and leave you alone because that's such an awkward situation. Or it's going to wake them up. But if you don't bless them, if you don't go up and love on them, you're just not going to know. 
And so that's part of what he's talking about here. So let's look at Deuteronomy. That's another good one. Chapter 30, verses 14 through 20. Now, I use the word a lot because you need to know the word of God. Okay. I know sometimes, you know, we get into it and people would rather hear the preaching and, and don't worry so much about where the verses are and all of that. But I want you educated. I want you to be able to take the word of God. And you get into a situation and you're not going, okay, what did Chris say the other day? Man, oh man, what was that that he said? Don't worry about that. I want you to be able to, to, when you're in a situation, go, okay, wait a minute. The Word of God addresses this. Somebody spoke about it, and I, I got to go find those verses because it's what the Word of God says that is going to help me. It's not what that person said, but the Word of God. And you, you need to get that down in you. That's why I cover these verses, because I want you educated, okay? Uh, uh, this isn't the Word according to Chris. This is the Word of God. And you, just like I do, you need to know where to find these things, or at least be able to find them. And part of being able to find things is being aware they exist in the first place. Okay. And so let's look at Deuteronomy. We're going to look at chapter 30 and verses 14 through 20. Now it says, but the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart so that you may do it. Okay, now we're back to the mouth and the heart. All right. So this ties right into what we were talking about earlier. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay. So the word isn't very near to you. It's in your heart, in your mouth, so that you may do it. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity and death and disaster. Okay, we know what's on the menu, right? Life and prosperity and death and disaster. What I am commanding you today is to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways. That's a love walk. When you're walking in God's ways, that's walking in love. And to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments so that you may live and multiply. Okay, so we know when we're walking in love, we're fulfilling the commandments. Again, New Testament. This is Old Testament chapter, but let's put we're bringing it over into the New Testament. We know the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. And if we walk in love as Jesus walked in love, we will fulfill the commandments. And so we know that right here he is saying, if you walk in my love, if you walk in the love of God, that you may live and multiply. And then it goes on and says, then the Lord your God will bless you. Glory to God. He's blessing us in the land in which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, now here's a warning. If your heart turns away. So this is, uh, let's call these people atheists because they've known God. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know an atheist that doesn't know God. Because if, if they truly didn't know God, then they wouldn't argue against him. The only atheist I've ever ran into is, is somebody who argues against God because they know God. They may, not need, they may not know him the way they should know him, but they definitely know him in a religious way and they can't stand him and so they become atheist. 
or they blame him for something and they become an atheist. But they can't be an atheist without first experiencing God. I just don't see how it's possible. And this is what he's talking about here. But if your heart turns away so that you do not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, then I declare to you today that you will surely perish and that you will not prolong your days in the land which you are crossing the Jordan to go to and to possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day. Here's a note right here. Pay attention that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. God says, therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and your length of days, and that you may well in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Did you get that? God set before you life and death. He set before you blessing and cursing. And then he tells you choose, but I strongly advise you to choose life. That's what God said. I want you to, God's like, God's biased. He wants you to choose life. He doesn't want you to choose death. He doesn't want you to choose cursing. He wants you to choose blessing. He knows what the blessing holds, and he wants you to have it. He designed it for you. And and just stop yourself and go, hey, according to God, God designed the blessing for me. God designed the blessing for Chris Holgrimson. Now, substitute your name. God designed the blessing for, and input your name. Because he did. It's yours. I want you to know and understand that. It's yours. Okay. So let's get back to this. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. It reads, finally, be all of one mind. Okay. That's, that's important. He's not saying, look, I need 55 denominations that believe 55 different things. He's not saying I need a million Christians and 10,000 different ideas of what a Christian is. He is saying, be all of one mind. He's saying, pull out the word of God. Know it. Understand it. Live it. And if you are doing the Word of God, and everybody else is doing the Word of God, then we are of one mind, because it's the mind of God who's in that Word. It's the mind of Jesus in that Word. It's the mind of the Holy Spirit in that Word. The only time we get into error is when it's the mind of Chris applied to something. Or it's the mind of Joe applied to something, or the mind of John, or Susan, or Cheryl, or whoever. When we use our own mind and apply it to things, we increase the risk of getting off into error. That's why it says, "Have the refresh and renew your mind. Have the mind of Christ, the anointed one. Glory to God. And that's what we need to do. We need to be of one mind. The mind of Christ. Be loving toward one another. Be gracious. Be kind. Do not repay evil for evil or curse for curse. 
but on the contrary, bless, knowing that to this you are called. I told you, you're in there. See this? This is written for you. This is written for you right here. Bless, knowing that it is that to this you are called so that you may receive a blessing. Because you're sowing blessing, you're going to reap blessing. You sow, you reap. You reap what you sow. If you want corn, sow corn. If you want wheat, sow wheat. If you want blessing, sow blessing. If you want cursing, sow cursing. You reap what you sow. And he's saying it right here. Bless. Knowing that to this you were called. You personally are called to this so that you may receive a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And I do believe that that is a quote out of Psalm, if I'm not mistaken, it's either Psalm 34 or Psalm 37. I get those two backwards occasionally, so, but I believe it's Psalm 34. So let's address the neighbor question. You know, because he says two commandments, love the Lord, your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. So who's my neighbor? This is a really good question. Let's address this right here, right now. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. (laughs) And this is between uh, a lawyer and Jesus. Okay, so. If you don't like lawyers, you may enjoy this conversation. If you like lawyers, you may enjoy this conversation. (laughs) Now, a lawyer stood up and tested him, him being Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? The lawyer answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Okay. This is what we discovered, right? So Jesus says to him, Hey, you answered correctly. You do this and you're going to live. But the lawyer desiring to justify himself. And the only reason we need to justify ourselves is to, to uh, increase how we feel value-wise because of vanity, because of pride, uh, because of a lack of submission, all the wrong reasons. But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, he expected Jesus would struggle with this answer or that he wouldn't be able to answer him appropriately, you know, because he figures he's going to get him caught up in some kind of legal mumbo-jumbo Um, but it didn't work. Jesus answered the man. He says, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, clothing and wounded him and departed. So they beat him up. They took his clothes. They left him laying on a curb. All right. And they left him there half dead. Now, by chance, a priest, a holy man comes down that way. And when he saw him, instead of helping him, he passes by on the other side of the road. So he crosses the road and goes on past him. Because, you know, obviously, if you cross the road and go past him, 
you know, you can pretend that you didn't see him and maybe the guy laying on the ground bleeding won't see you. And, and therefore, you know, there's no responsibility to react. Okay. That's what we're looking at here. And so, so likewise, a Levite, another holy person. All right. When he came to that place, he looked at him and passed by on the other side. He did the same thing. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan, this was a no good, dirty dog as far as they were concerned. A Samaritan. All right. As he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw the the wounded man, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he set him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So far, he's doing a pretty good job. (laughs) The next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii. He took out his wad of money. And he gave them, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and I will repay you whatever else you spend when I return. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And of course, the lawyer says the one who showed mercy on him and Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This wasn't the answer the lawyer was expecting. Okay. Jesus didn't give a cut and dry answer. He gave a parable, a story, and said, which do you choose? Well, the lawyer knew right from wrong, and he chose the right. And Now Jesus says, okay, now go do right. And it's hard to argue against that. Okay? So love can come from, from anywhere. The, the love of God, it should have broadened our hearts. It's ours. It's in us. It, we have received it when we received Jesus, when we received the Holy Spirit in us. And there's an expectation to to live according to the love of God. All right. And so we should be able to say that that we are like this good Samaritan. That when we see somebody who is in need, in genuine need, not I'm not talking about somebody who's conning people and that kind of thing. I'm talking about somebody in genuine need. Then we should be able to to help them out of the love of our hearts, out of the love that God placed in our hearts. And if we're fellowshipping with God, God, the Holy Spirit's going to let us know how to do it. What's the best way? Because you don't know, but the Holy Spirit does. Okay. The Holy Spirit knows everything. And so if you come upon somebody and, and maybe it's a vagrant and, and they're cold and they're hungry and they're asking for money for food, and you're thinking to yourself, in the natural, and I've done this and I would do this, I still will, think to myself in the natural, okay, if I give him money, is he going to just go buy drugs or go buy alcohol with it? Is he going to benefit him? Or is he actually going to go do what he says he wants to go do? Well, I probably am not going to be able to answer that in the natural. But if I'm prayed up, if I'm fellowshipping with the Lord on, on you know, a, a continuous basis, and I, and I learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit, meaning that when, when the Holy Spirit witnesses with me, I don't ignore it. I see it, I recognize it, I hear it, 
and I receive it, then I can behave, I can respond as the Holy Spirit would have me to respond. Okay, I can be led of the Spirit. And I can know how to respond. Now, if I don't, if I'm not prayed up and I don't have my fellowship on and, and all of that, uh, I'm going to struggle with that. I'm not going to be certain. And, and there's probably been more times than not in my life where I missed it because I allowed myself to not be prayed up, to be praised and more shipped up. I, my fellowship was slacking and lacking and, and, uh, and all of this. And, and we go through this. It's a fallen world. Not that that's an excuse. I should be better than that. But it is something that we go through. And, uh, and so there's going to be times when we miss it. Now, I'm not going to allow that to bring guilt on me or to bring condemnation on me. My spirit will let me know. My, cons- my spirit, if I get con- condemnation, I'm getting my tongue wound up here. If I get condemnation, it's my spirit condemning me for an action or a lack of action. And I need to deal with that by repenting, by by asking for forgiveness of the Lord and, and going to the Lord and saying, hey, look, I missed this. I I was not listening. I wasn't paying attention to what you were trying to tell me. And I see it now and I missed it. And the forgiveness is ours. And he forgets. God is so good to us. He forgets. And he says, don't worry about it. You, you reckon, how do you think David became a man after God's own heart? He wasn't perfect. He messed up. He made mistakes. Don't let the guilt capture you. Let's talk about releasing others from guilt. And I want you to know this, that love is present in forgiveness. So if you don't have love in your heart, you're going to struggle with forgiveness. And if your mind, if your vertical alignment is not right in your, so it should be spirit, soul, body, not body, soul, spirit. Okay. Should be spirit, soul, and body. That's your spirit is in, in authority. He's in charge. He or she is in charge. Your soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions are dictated by the spirit they are not dictated by your physical senses or your body. Okay. You want your spirit in control. When you get, when your physical senses, your body is controlling you, your emotions are wacko and, and you don't understand it. You, you just don't understand how you can be happy one moment and crying the next or happy one moment and then a rage the next, or, uh, it, you know, it, it, it just may, or, be having a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden you just wig out for a lack of a better word. It's because you're being led the wrong way because your, your physical senses and your emotions and your mind are ruling over your spirit and you've got an alignment problem. And so just get back in alignment and you can do that through the word of God. You can do that through praise and worship, through fellowship with God. Talk to him. He's there. So love is present in forgiveness. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, it says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
That's a famous line. The whole world knows that line, but you need to understand. He was able to say it because the love of God was in his heart. If you look at Acts chapter 7, verses 59 through 60, it's talking about Stephen when he was being stoned. And he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He knew where he was going. He knew he saw Jesus. Jesus was there waiting on him. But he knew where he was going. And he didn't want this sin accounted against these people. He wanted these people to have the same opportunity that he had for salvation. And the love of God in his heart cried out and said, please don't hold this sin against them. Let their sin be reconciled. Let it be forgiven. Let's talk about compassion. We may go through some of these much quicker because I see I am running a little longer than I intended to. But there's just so much to this. Okay? And and this is just a little bit of love. Okay? Let's, Let's run into compassion. Let's look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. And it reads, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. I want you to know love is present in compassion. Love is present in forgiveness, and it's present in compassion. Look at Mark chapter 1, verses 40-42. This is a leper, okay? And in the old days, they didn't have any kind of medication for leprosy. And they were considered unclean. They weren't supposed to come up to people. They were definitely not supposed to touch anybody. A leper came to Jesus, pleading with him and kneeling before him, saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. So he's already out of the element. He's not supposed to be that close to Jesus. And his disciples are like freaking out at this point. But Jesus goes on and he says, Then Jesus moved with compassion. He extended his hand and touched him. And he says to him, I will be clean. So where fear controls so many. And we see it, we see it in this day and age. And I, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying be discourteous to people, be rude to people, be arrogant, cocky, whatever. No, I'm just making a point. Okay. And a mask is a, a, a good a good way to, to make that point. We shouldn't be freaking out if we see somebody who's not wearing a mask. Okay? It, it just not as Christians, not as believers. And you don't take your love, your love away from them. You don't curse them. You bless them. You're walking in love. Okay? Here Jesus reached out and he touches a leper. We're talking leprosy in a time when there was no way to stop leprosy. You died from it. You literally rotted away and died from it. And Jesus, as a man, full of faith, full of the love of God, 
he had compassion for this leper and he reaches out and he not only reaches out, he touches this man and he says, be clean. You desire to be clean and you recognize in me the authority and the power to do this. It's the same authority and power that we have in us through Jesus Christ as believers. He did not hold anything back from us, but he gave us the right, the the authority, a better way to say it, the power the Holy Spirit's in us. That's our power. Glory to God. If Jesus can, can reach out and touch a leper, then we need to know and understand how and why he could. And it starts with your faith. And it starts with love in your heart. This world needs a remake. Trust me. And that's what we're here for. Glory to God. I'm not going to go into all of it right here, right now. But you go back to Genesis and you look at it. And God put us here. And he gave us Eden as the model. And he said, hey, look. First of all, I'm going to bless you. And I want you to be multiplied. But I also want you to take dominion and subdue this earth and all that is in it. Excluding man. Man's got free will. Keep it in context. And I want you to go and replenish the earth. Go make the earth look like Eden. He didn't tell you or me, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Hey, go home, sit in your recliner, watch whatever it is you watch, eat your dinner, um, you know, do everything you got to do and come see me on Sunday. No, no. God is 24 seven. And when our identity is so locked into God, into Jesus, into the, everything he's got between the two flaps for us on that word of God, praise you, Jesus. This world's going to wake up. There is going to be a revival that sets this world on fire. Don't worry about, what do they call it? The Paris Accord and all that stupid stuff. Climate climate change. I'm here to tell you, the Word of God says this earth is going to melt. You're not going to stop it. Now, am I saying be disrespectful and dishonor what God created? No. Don't read what I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I am saying is quit wasting your time trying to correct something that doesn't need to be corrected. But put your time and your effort into the Word of God. Put your your time and your effort into setting this world on fire in the Holy Spirit. This world needs revival. The Church of Christ needs revival. There are sheep on the hill that are lost, and they need us. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and he was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus said the things that he does we will do. And greater things than these will we do, because he goes to his Father. His ministry was three and a half years. I want you to understand, if your ministry is four years, it's already six months longer than Jesus' ministry. 
Greater things than these will you do. Okay, let's wrap this up. A couple more, couple more here. Luke chapter 7, 11 through 14. The following day, Jesus went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples and a large crowd went with him. When he came near the gate of the city, a man who had died was being carried out. So it's a funeral procession. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So we have a widow, and her only son is dead. And this is his funeral. And so a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, now if you understand, he's seeing the funeral procession, he's seeing the large crowd, he's seeing her. He hasn't spoken to anybody yet. I want you to understand that. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the coffin, and those who carried it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And he did. He gave this widow, this grieving widow, back her only son. But he did it through compassion, and we know that compassion has love. Okay? John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, and we've read this one many times, Jesus said to Simon Peter, and I want you to remember, now Simon was, Peter was the one that, that denied Jesus three times for the rooster crowed twice. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says to him, tend my sheep. Jesus says a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter is grieved because he asked him a third time, do you love me? Peter says to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. I want you to know and understand, love is a part of our identity in Christ. Love is... It's a part of the walk, or it's a, how do I want to say this, Lord? Love is also a part of our walk with God. Don't leave out love. Don't forsake love. Don't forsake the love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart. You know, it's it may be an instant uh, uh, restoration. It's a good word for it. Or it may be a restoration that takes time. Don't get up in how long. Don't get caught up in how long it takes for the restoration. Get caught up in the restoration. So I'm going to close with that. I love you guys. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Uh, he would that not any be lost. And I want you to understand this. He says that over the ones who are unrighteous and rebellious he says it over the evil and the wicked. I would that none, none were lost. 
but he respects the fact that God gave us free will. Jesus is not going to force us to do something that we don't want to do. And therefore, when, uh, when options arise, choices are put in front of us and decisions are meant to be made, we can't say, God, this is your fault. Because it's not. It's ours. And so we need to pay attention. We need to make decisions based on what we're hearing from the Word of God and what we're hearing from God through the Holy Spirit. And if your heart is a little hard or much hard, if you've been through, now veterans, I understand this, and there are abuse victims and, and so on and so forth. There are people out there who have been through ungodly acts. I want you to know right here, right now, God loves you. Jesus loves you. He wants to take that away from you. He wants to take all that pain, no matter if it's physical, emotional, spiritual. He wants it all. He wants it. He's already paid the price. He knew you, and he knows you where you're at, and he knows your heart. And he loves you, and he's crying out to you, and he's telling you, look, I've already paid the price. Come in. Come in, and let's start restoring you. Let's start repairing and and uh, fixing the little things and the big things so that you you can be whole again, fully restored. So if you're dealing with PTSD, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, abuse, Jesus is your answer. And if you need to speak to somebody, if you need to reach out to somebody, don't be ashamed, don't be fearful, don't be guilt-ridden, just, just reach out. Just reach out. Now, conveniently, uh, if you don't feel like going to the reach out page on the website and using the the resources there, the professional resources, guys, uh, use me last. Okay, I'm not saying don't don't get a hold of me, don't contact me. I'm, I'm telling you that I there are people out there who are better equipped to deal with some of the things like suicide and that kind of thing. But I'm also telling you, if you don't feel like you can reach out to them. Reach out to me. That's fine. I've got the reach out page on my website, True Patriot Ministry slash reach out. And I've got an email address that is reach out, R E A C H O U T, at truepatriotministries.org. You can reach me there. I check my email quite a few times a day just because I, I want to, I don't want to miss out on helping somebody if, if they're, reaching out to me. Okay. So prayer, anything like that, same email address, just give me a holler and uh, we'll let God do the rest. So we love you. God loves you. Jesus loves you. He is Lord. And uh, what a beautiful, beautiful day this is. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining me today. And I pray that you have a blessed day.
Sunday, and a blessed work week. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men.